So God, we love you. Lord, I stand on this stage a wretched person. For I have sinned. But God, you still love me. And today as we talk about the topic of abortion, I hope we all remember that all of us have fallen short of your glory. And that all of us have sinned. That all of us are broken. That we were created in your image and sin shattered that image. And so may we not pass judgment today. I pray, God, that as you speak through me, people would not hear my words, but they would hear your words. And that they would know this is not a sermon or a testimony of judgment, but a plea to my fellow brothers and sisters. In love, speak now, God. Give us ears to hear exactly what it is you want us to hear and what we need to hear. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Christ Church. It's really good to be with you today. Uh, I always tell people this is the easiest and hardest sermon I ever get to preach. Um, And it's more of a testimony than it is a sermon. And today I'm going to share with you a little bit about my life and a little bit about my story and what it really means for us as Christians and as a church when we say that we are uh, pro-life. You know, and I want to start today uh, with a little rabbit trail. And um, I want to remind us, I didn't write this. And I want to remind you, you didn't write it. I want to remind us that in the pages of Scripture are how we as believers are to live. We live in a culture and a society that wants to tell us that there are things in this book that are archaic, old, and no longer in use. And I want to tell you that is a lie from the pits of hell. Because the Word of God is the Word of God. And when we claim to be believers in God, we are claiming that we are going to be obedient and follow the pages of Scripture. Now there may be things in here that we do or do not like, but it's not our job to pick and choose those things. It's our job to be obedient to the Word that God has for us. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Word of God makes it abundantly clear to us that abortion is wrong. There's no gray area. Before we get into it too far, I want to say this this morning. Maybe you're sitting in here and you've had an abortion. I'm so glad you're here. We love you. Everything that's about to come out of my passionate heart is not judgment on you. It is out of love for you that we want to help people from not going down the road that you now regret. Right? That secret that torments your soul. Because you see, abortion is not just murdering a person. It's also defiling the soul of the woman and the father. Abortion is a, is a sin that just destroys us in so many different ways. And so again, I just want to say, we're not here to cast judgment upon you today. We're here for you. Today, Because we're not here to stand in just opposition of abortion. We're here to stand for life today. Because that's what pro-life is. It's not simply standing against something, but it's standing alongside of people who have said, I will choose life. In this life, there are two options, life and death. And we got to quit calling it pro-choice because you're either pro-life or you're pro-death. We need to call it what it is. You know, the circumstances that I came into the world are very interesting, and a lot of you have heard this story before, but that's okay, you can hear it again. 
because it's the story that God gave me to tell. And I want to encourage, God has given you a story to tell. You should tell the story that God gave you to tell. A man named Ben Kendrew had married my mom, Faith, took her to be his wife and made a covenant before God that he would love her and cherish her. He didn't do that. In fact, his love of alcohol and his addiction to alcohol turned him into a monster. He beat my mom severely, often. They had given birth to a little boy by the name of, they named him Ben. And in this time period, he began to abuse the child. He abused my mother. And there was one specific instance where he had beaten my mom so bad that she almost perished and he was arrested and thrown into prison. Now, as the story was told to me, um, my mother shared this, that, you know, when you come from the family of 12 and nine of those are brothers, a little frontier justice is about to take place. My uncles had decided that because of all of this, and they wanted to let Ben know how unappreciative they were of the way they were, he was treating their little sister. And so as an uncle who was in law, I had an uncle who was in law enforcement back then, which was a very different day. My uncles managed to get into the prison cell where my dad was being held. And they beat him with an engine with his life. Terrible, terrible situation. Answering sin with sin is never the right way to go. That is not how you be pro-life. And so, circumstances being what they were back then, in order for everybody to just kind of be done with it, and they didn't want the scandal of my uncle, one of my uncles who was a law enforcement guy, all charges were just dropped. They told everybody to get out. They just wanted to be done with it. You know, it wasn't an era of cell phones. It was back in the 70s. You know, abortion was a very popular thing at the time. And Ben was released out of prison. And when he left, he went immediately to the house where my mother Faith was. She heard a knock at the door, and not knowing that Ben was out of prison, she was in the process of a divorce with this man. He had almost killed her. She wanted nothing to do with him because she wanted to protect the life of her child, and she wanted to protect her own life. So she was in the process of a divorce, heard a knocking at her door late one night, came down to the door to see a shadow standing outside that door, and when she got close, Ben kicked the door into her forehead, knocked her out, and then proceeded to rape her. As a result of this rape, my mom, whose name's Faith, became pregnant. And in this pregnancy, many people told her that you need to rid yourself of this mistake. You need to rid yourself of this hurt, of this unwanted thing that was done to you. And I want to tell you right now, church, there is no such thing as a mistake. And I'm so thankful that because of my uncles and my, mom, my mom's mom, Grandma Chevalier, they came alongside of my mom. And while she was being encouraged to get rid of this mistake, get rid of this thing that happened to her, this brokenness, they told her, look, God has a plan for every single one of God's children. He has a plan and a purpose for everyone. And they encouraged my mom, keep this baby. We will walk alongside of you with this. Leave this man behind. We will take care of you. And I got to tell you, it's been such an honor because I'm that rape baby. We believe the lie in our culture that I'm pro-life except for the instance of rape because that's just going to be okay. That's garbage. I would like to think that God had a plan for me. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, even rape babies, God has a plan and a purpose for them, church. We are not God. We are not called to play His role. And anytime we as human beings begin to institute our will over His will, it will only lead to death. My grandmother Chevalier and my uncles all came around my mom and they loved on her. They encouraged her to keep the baby. My mom says it was never a thought in her mind. She's going to keep this child because she knows that there is a purpose, that there is a plan for this. Now I'm going to tell you right now, there was lots of hurt. There was lots of emotional baggage that came with this. When my mother told me this story, my first instinct was I was a mistake. I was unwanted. I'm a a burden. I, I shouldn't even be alive on this earth. But my mother quickly reminded me that God does not make mistakes. And I want to tell you this morning, when you look in the mirror and you call yourself a mistake, that is a lie from the pits of hell. Because God did not make you on accident. You may be a, a, a victim of something or whatever. You may think you're fat, ugly, stupid. That's all a lie. God does not make mistakes. God made you in His image He made you how you are for a specific purpose, a specific reason, and you are intentional. Don't ever believe those lies. The Bible tells us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are. You know, when I was told this story by my mom, because we just had to clear the air, I felt like I was a mistake. I felt like I was unwanted. And and I remember what she said to me. She said these words to me. You may not have been planned. But with God, there are no mistakes. And I'm going to tell you right now, God doesn't make mistakes. He takes the gross and the ugly things that happen and He redeems them into something beautiful. And I don't know where you're at in life, but it is not your right to choose who lives and who dies. Because God has a purpose, a plan for every creation that He makes. Amen, church? Again, I'm not trying to cast any judgment on anybody this morning. But we need to call it what it is. It is sin. And sin pollutes every single one of us. Some of our sin looks different than others. But we have a problem of sin in our nation. We have a problem with a culture that doesn't want to call sin sin. And sin is sin. But it's important for us to remember, church, that each and every one of us is created in the image of God. And we look at God, really, how we look at God really determines how we look at the rest of our life. And so I ask you this question right now. How do you look at God? Do you see God as the faithful creator of all things? Do you see God as a big God? Because I'm going to tell you right now, God is big. Maybe you're sitting out there trying to decide whether you want to have an abortion. I want to tell you this. God will be with you. God will walk beside you in this. And He is bigger than all things. The other myth in our culture is that abortion's okay when it endangers the mother. Now I need you to really hear my heart on this because this is a very heavy thing I'm about to talk about. And I'm not saying that medicine is bad, and I'm not saying we should wish away doctors or any of that. I'm not saying that at all. Everybody nod your head and let me know that you hear what I'm saying. But what I am saying this morning is that sometimes we as a church need to have more faith. Because I see it all the time when when mothers are told their child is going to come out a certain way and things come out perfectly fine. When that doctor looks at us and says, this could endanger the life of the mother... 
We should pray. We should pray. We should pray. We should pray. And the first option should never be to kill so that someone else can live. Do you hear me, church? And I'm not saying that's easy to wrestle with in your heart. And you may disagree with me. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're wrong. Because it's not me you're disagreeing with. It's the Word of God in the book of John. We see this incredible story in John 1 where Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, is expecting Mary as a visitor. And you see Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist in her belly. Now according to our modern definition of birth, that child should not be alive in the womb, right? Mary shows or yeah, Mary comes over to hang out with her cousin Elizabeth and Mary says, I'm, I'm going to be the mother of Jesus Christ. And when she says this, Elizabeth feels this sensation in her belly. And the Bible says that from within the womb, John the Baptist heard her voice and leapt for joy. Do you catch what that's saying? That in the belly of his mother, John the Baptist was worshiping God. How, if that baby's not alive in the mother's womb, can he worship God? The only answer is, life begins at conception, not at an earthly birth. When God puts that spark of life into you, there is a plan. There is a purpose. God knit that person together, and he wants to use that person for his glory. And when we interject the plans of man, we bring death. Those statistics that, oh my gosh, that Carrie shared with us are horrifying. One in four pregnancies ends in abortion. That's a quarter of a generation obliterated. Isn't that crazy? What plans did God have for those people? What cures? Whose spouse? All of creation is precious. All of creation is sacred. And those babies are precious. And I'm going to tell you right now, church, if you're out there and you're thinking about having an abortion because your circumstances won't allow you to keep the baby, I'll take your baby. Do not kill that baby. <laughs> I had a friend come to me a couple months ago and said, I aborted a baby. We'll take your babies. Don't kill them. He was terrified. He and his wife, she had an affair. They didn't know what to do and they thought, well, just get rid of it. Listen to me, you can't get rid of sin that way. When you try to obliterate the problem, which you think is the child, that's not the problem. The problem isn't the baby. The problem is is the brokenness in your heart, and only Jesus Christ can fix that. An abortion cannot heal you. It only brings you closer to death. It violates God. It violates your soul. And it violates the fact that you just murdered a child. The Ten Commandments say it very clearly. They're not suggestions. Thou shalt not murder. Please, for the love of God, don't kill those babies. There are people who want them. There is a God who wants them. Listen to me, church. The Bible tells us three things when we look at Psalm 139. We see that the Creator is sacred. Do you believe God is holy? Do you believe that God is righteous and good and awesome? Because if you do, you need to believe better about yourself. Because you were made in His image. The first thing I want you to take home is that God is sacred. God is sacred. 
And if God is sacred, everything he creates is sacred. And anything he creates in his image is sacred. And I'm here to tell you, you are not a mistake. You are on purpose. You are intentional. And God created you in his image. That's why we look so different than everything else. That we have a special calling here on this earth. Because we are the image bearers of God. And so our creator is sacred. The created is sacred, you and I. So the created needs to respond sacredly. How do we respond when people confess sin to us? When someone says to us, I'm pregnant and I think I'm going to abort the child, do we stand up and say, you whore, what were you thinking? Because the tragedy is, more than not, we do those types of things. See, what pro-life means, it means that instead of coming down on people like that, we're to be like it tells us in Galatians, we're to help restore people with gentleness, kindness, and love. Yeah, we're to call them out. We're to say, don't abort that baby. But who among you is going to stand beside this person? That's what we're called to as Christians. We're not called to just simply stand against abortion. We're called to stand against abortion and then stand with the young women that Carrie Muir is dealing with on a daily basis. Like my uncles and my grandma and my my mom's family, they surrounded her in a horrible situation. But God had a plan. Just like God has a plan for each and every one of you, God has a plan to use you. You are no better than anybody else. We've all sinned, right? We've all agreed on that. And so who are these people that you're going to come alongside of because you're created in the image of God. I love this imagery of the mirror. You've probably heard this illustration before, but we're just mirrors and we reflect the image of God and sin is a hammer that shattered that image. But God is in the business of taking the broken image of him and putting it back together. So if you've had an abortion or you've sinned, which is all of us, God wants to piece you back together and he wants to make you beautiful again because he loves you. Because he is pro-life. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open to Psalm 139 right now. You know, we're telling you today that you should keep your children and that you should stand alongside of people. And I'm going to be very honest with you, that's scary. It's scary for me to stand in front of 1,500 people today and say, I'll take your kid. (laughs) It's scary. Because what if someone says, okay, But you know what? God doesn't put us in circumstances and then abandon us in them. He goes with us. And so if you have your Bibles, let's let's read through Psalm 139. And I'm going to read down through the whole thing because it's just that good. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise and you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. And before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Do you catch the sense of what he's trying to teach us right here? God knows you. God created you. I always find it so funny that Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden tried to hide their nakedness. Nakedness actually really talks about their shame. God knows your shame, church. He knows what you did. (laughs) But you know what? He still loves you. So much that he'd send his own son to die for you so that you could be put back together again. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. This such knowledge is too wonderful for me to, or lofty for me to attain. 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is with you in the good times. He will be with you in the bad times. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, for the night will shine like the day, for the darkness is light to you. Because you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Now, I'm not a seamstress. But when you knit something, it's not something you do automated. You put your hand on every piece of fabric and you weave it together. And I know sewing folks, I'm probably using those terms wrong, but you get the point. God has just pieced you together. Piece by piece, cell by cell, blood vessel by blood vessel. Our Creator knows you. In fact, God knows you better than you know yourself. And so He knows your heart. He knows where you've been. He knows the evil things. He knows the good things. And He loves you. Do you get the point this morning that God loves you? For you you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are so wonderful. And I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Do you catch this? He's referring to life in the womb. He's referring to our frames, our structures, our bodies, our DNA. Was not hidden from God at conception. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. You are not mistakes. You are not an accident. God wants to use you in His ministry. He wants to use these little children. They are not throwaways. They are not mistakes. They are not garbage, just as you are not a throwaway, a mistake, or garbage. Do you make mistakes? Absolutely. And guess what? You're going to continue to make mistakes. But praise the Lord for Jesus' blood, right? Because He makes us what we are. A couple years ago, we received a phone call. Now, I got to tell you, with my life story, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of conversations in therapy that had to happen. And I'm so thankful for men like Rich Grassle and people who poured into me and helped me to deal with the hatred that I had in my heart towards my father. And, and I'm so thankful for the way that godly people chose life and stood beside me. In my darkest parts of my heart, I got to confess, church, I I still to this day struggle with whether or not I'm wanted. And that's the consequence of sin. And I daily have to be reminded by my loving wife that you're wanted, you're intentional, and you're on purpose. I know that sounds ridiculous. But it's important for us to know that. It's important for us to know that we are not mistakes. God does love you. You know, I dealt with a lot. And I remember praying for God to take from me the wounds in my heart. I remember praying for God to deal with the circumstances with my father. And I really felt in my heart I had dealt with it, but inside of me there had always been this little thing, and man, I wish I could just punch this guy right in the face once. That feels so good. 
About five years ago, I get a phone call. Ben was not a good human being. He went around the world and having children and swindling people. And uh, to make a real long story short, we get a call from some authorities that said, Mr. Kendrew, we found your dad. And uh, he's in a hospital bed in Las Vegas. And we need to notify the next of kin that he doesn't have long. And we need someone to come and take care of this. I don't know that I've ever shared this part of the story yet. And when I share this, <clears throat> when I tell you God will change your heart and God will heal you, He will. Because what this man on the phone just told me, Mr. Kendra, I'd like for you to come kill your dad. And in the darkest parts of my heart, I struggled real bad. What do we do? told my brother Ben who had called me and my other brother I don't even want to go I don't know what should we do what do we do what do we do we prayed and two of my other brothers and I decided that we're going to go to Las Vegas and we're going to see this man we're going to confront him and when we got there I didn't know what was going to happen was I going to explode was I going to take vengeance was I going to honor God and and so we prayed a lot and I remember when we walked into the room I hadn't seen this man in years there he was lying on the bed and in that moment God touched my heart and said Jamie I love him he's one of mine and if you love me you will love him because he's a broken sinful thing that needs to know that he has a savior that loves him And I'm going to tell you right now, this was not on any strength of my own. We stood there with a dying man. We grabbed his hand. We told him we loved him. We told him we forgave him. And then we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. We then cited the Lord's Prayer. And then we pulled the plug. And the way I tell this story is I say, this awful human being died a far better death than he deserved. Here's this wretched man that died with his sons surrounding him, his sons who he had abandoned, his sons who he had brought into this world under conditions of sin. He died far better of a death than he deserved. But what God taught me in that moment is every single one of us in this room is going to die a far better death than any of us deserve because we're all broken. We're all sinful and we're all wretched. And it's not our call to say who lives and who dies. It's our job to go and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. And I got to tell you, and I never thought in a million years that's what was going to happen when we got there. And it's not in any power of my own. and It's not in any power of my brothers. But it was Christ in us. Don't abort your children. Don't stand idly by as generations are being obliterated. Stand up for life and remember that you're going to die a far better death than you deserve, not because of anything you did, but because of Jesus Christ and the way that he was willing to send, to come to earth and to die for us on a cross. I got to tell you, I never experienced peace like I experienced when I said to my father, I forgive you. In my heart I had dealt with it, but being able to say it and release it was such a healing thing.
You know, God loves you, church. God wants you to stand up and to do what's right. And so this morning I ask you, what is God speaking into your heart? Are you being called to adoption? Are you being called to go on a march for life? Are you being called to come alongside a family member who's maybe been chastised and cast out because they're, they're 16 years old and they're having a child? Choose life and come alongside of that one and gently restore them and love them. Sin is sin, but God's in the business of fixing things. Amen? God fixed you. God fixed me. And we have a, re- a reason to sing this morning. It's time in our nation that this atrocity of abortion be obliterated. And so I'm asking you, Christ Church, stand with me and be pro-life. Father, we love you. And we thank you. Here I stand. This wretched mistake. But in your eyes, God, this is no surprise because this was your plan. Remind us daily, God, how perfect you have made each and every one of us and how you created us in your image and you are a sacred, holy, great, good God. And because of that, you have made us special. Help us to fight in our hearts and fight for us those battles when we believe the lies that we're ugly, that we're a mistake. All life is precious, God. Maybe you're that person out there this morning and you've been struggling with whether you want to live or die. Listen to me, you are loved. God, be with the hearts of those people. Let them know that they are loved and they have a church family that wants to see them pieced back together. And you can do that in them, God. Maybe there's just a sin in your life this morning, church, that God needs to just take it from you. Maybe there's a hurt. Maybe it's not even a sin. Maybe there's something you're holding on to. God wants to restore you this morning. He wants to heal your heart because God is about life. He is about goodness. And he longs for you to come home with him. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Amen.